everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Together we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show that's running about three minutes late because uh, my performance, I guess, starting this was on par with what we saw from the Winnipeg Jets out there tonight. A little bit of a no-show. Uh, I forgot to click the live button. I've, ha- I've been talking into space for the last three minutes before realizing that I was doing so. Uh funny times uh good 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 to see uh good to see i at least figured it out and it didn't take any more than three minutes um boy i'll tell you this uh that there will be an argument and many people will think that watching this that this was the jets worst game of the season i would argue if you take a look at the thursday game i know it was a three to two score but the buffalo sabers the way that they seem to be fairly unchallenged by the Winnipeg Jets for a good chunk of that game. I described it as watching a senior hockey team play a WHL team. Uh, You know, they just didn't seem concerned with the Winnipeg Jets for the vast majority of that game. And if it wasn't for Connor Hellebuck, that would have been a five, six, seven, nothing game. And we wouldn't be talking about it being a close one, a three, two score. I mean, I get it. If you're watching that game or if you're looking on NHL.com and you're a New Jersey Devils fan in Hoboken, New Jersey, and you take a look at the scores, you think it was a pretty close game. It wasn't. The Buffalo Sabres quite simply outclassed the Winnipeg Jets in that game. So I still think that's the worst game for the Jets this season. But I'm all for the argument that I think some of you may make that this was the Jets' worst loss of the season because of the lack of pushback that we saw in this game. I think that that's what really concerned Rick Bonus. And, and the the problem with that is you take a look at where the Jets were. I, I just I don't know what excuse there is for a lack of pushback. Winnipeg Jets after that last game, there was, you know, people weren't happy after that Thursday game. They were a little bit down. Their coach came out, asked him, you know, why he's not getting the effort he needs. And he said, that's a question that I'm going to ask the players. We talked about this on Kenny and Rennie. We imagined Friday morning, the Jets were going to come in. They were going to be quizzed by their coach. What do you think is wrong? Why, why are you not able to give us the effort that we expect from you is what we thought would come out of that. And it sounds like that's what happened. The Jets came out to a man and said, we're not playing to pace. There's not enough effort. We need that effort. We need that pace to play the defensive game that brought us success. So they knew what was happening. And then after that, what I felt was there was like a, there was a lot of confidence in that room. For example, Josh Morrissey, when we were pressing him on the issues that we're having, responded to a question I asked by saying, you know what? It sounds like you guys are sounding the alarm button here. You know, speaking of the media, sounds like you're sounding the alarm button. Um, and listen, no one is panicking in this room. After that, Rick Bonus talked about it. It really did feel, and I asked a question before the broadcast today. I'm not sure if people tuned into the pregame show to watch it, but talked with Rick Bonus. I asked him a question based on that idea that it almost felt like the room had had turned, right? Like the, this this mindset had clicked and the, everything was now suddenly really positive. And boy, it did not end that way. Uh, Rick Bonus ripped, ripped his team after that game, called out their stars, said that he pulled Connor Hellebuck from that game because he didn't want him to be embarrassed. Um, no pushback. Uh, and maybe that's the concerning thing. I still believe that Thursday's game was the Jets' worst game of the year because they were absolutely did not belong in the same rink as the Buffalo Sabres, even though the score got close. But the lack of pushback on a night where I believe that 
Rick Bonus and his coaching staff thought they did everything right to get this team to realize the situation that they were in. And then the response that they get here, I don't think he was expecting that. I don't think anyone in this building was expecting that. Um, this was a group of Philadelphia Flyers who have nowhere near the talent or the skill or the ability of the Winnipeg Jets, and they simply outworked, out-hustled, and won that game fair and square. I'll say this. We ran a story in that uh, where we took some stats from the, the folks at Sport Logic and talked about something we've explored on the show before, the idea of the Winnipeg Jets winning a lot of games they don't deserve. And I, I've got a pretty good handle on the numbers. The Jets have 31 wins this year, and in 14 of those 31 wins, they've been outshot, almost 50% of them. In about 10%, sorry, in about 33% of those wins, they've been outchanced. In about 33% of those wins, they've been outchanced in the slot. And it's, you know, it's 20% or more uh, of them uh, being um, uh, losing the expected goals battle. Like the, the idea here is the Jets. As successful as we've seen them, and you have to take the success that they've had this year and what we've seen from them for this last little stretch, the good of what they're capable of and the bad of what they're capable of, I'm starting to come around more and more on the idea of Kenny saying that Connor Hellebuck is the MVP of this team. Because what those numbers tell me is Connor Hellebuck has stolen a heck of a lot of games here, maybe conservatively as many as eight games. Well, if Connor Hellebuck doesn't steal those eight games, the Winnipeg Jets, who are now six points up uh, on, on the final playoff spot, are sitting 10 points back of the playoff line without Connor Hellebuck's heroics. Um, this is problematic. What we're seeing from the Winnipeg Jets right now is problematic. They remain near the top of the Western Conference because of the incompetence of the Western Conference. The Vegas Golden Knights can't win a game right now. The Dallas Stars have gone 4-2, sorry, yeah, 4-4-2, four, four and two, no, sorry, 4-2-4 four, and four over the last little while. Um, you know, it's just t team after team after team is faltering in the West, and that's why the Jets haven't kind of been bit by this. But what they're waiting for, I don't know. One more game to try and turn this around. We'll see what happens there. But I I don't think I'm being harsh. I haven't had a chance to read the chat room. Maybe you're on board with me. Maybe people are saying, you know, that I'm being Mr. Negative Nelly. Good. Uh, if if uh, you're finding positives out of that game, please share them with us because we could sure uh, see them. Uh, we'll see what Kenny has to say about it. Maybe he's got a more positive outlook than I do. Only one way to find out. Time to bring in the man with the best music in the business. Here comes Kenny.
Ken, uh, love the lyrics to your tune, What Took So Long, I think is relevant right now. Uh, maybe tweak it a little bit and say, what is taking so long for the Winnipeg Jets to figure their way out of this funk that they've found themselves in? Um, this did not look like the kind of effort uh, it were required to bust yourself out of a bit of a slump, and now all of a sudden the Winnipeg Jets have lost five out of seven games. I'll ask you the question. Uh, we talked about it a little bit on our Sportsnet hit. I still think that Thursday, because of the way that they were handled by the Buffalo Sabres, uh, was the Jets' worst game of the season. Um, I don't know if you think differently, but where does tonight's game rank for you? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, for me... I still think the effort uh, in Thursday's game was worse as well, Sean. I'm pretty sure that we uh, we stand in lockstep there for sure. Uh, today, I think the bigger issue from today was that they're you know outside of I think with decent first period where it was a pretty high event hockey and you know both teams were generating plenty of scoring chances. Uh, Jets can't find a way to beat Carter Hart early. Then they, uh, I think they kind of got back to you know what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks here, Sean. I think the challenge for the Jets was always going to be, you know, finding a way to score without sacrificing their defensive structure. And today their defensive structure kind of abandoned, or they abandoned their defensive structure, uh, certainly on the third and fourth goals and, you know, even to a degree earlier on in the game. So for me, yeah, it, it, you know, I'm, you know, I think that the Jets, you know, it's not all dooms, doom and gloom here for them, but man, they're not, they're not playing well right now and uh that would be that's pretty evident i mean it's interesting i mean what's the response going to be now right so now it's the third uh, you know second three game losing streak of the year um this team is clearly you know in a bit of a spiral they're battling i mean um you know in terms of knowing that they need to be better but they're having trouble finding we've talked about solutions all year long Right now, the solution is hard to find. I mean, Rick Bonus saying these guys know how to win, but there's a price to be paid in order to win. And right now, the Jets are not willing to pay that. Or if they're not willing, we know they are willing, but right now they haven't been able to pay that price that's required uh, to win games at this level. So, I mean, that's that's a concern for sure. I mean, is this, is the sky falling? No. But the Jets definitely need to uh, get themselves energized and they need to pick it up. I mean, uh, you talk about Rick Bonus coming with both barrels. Uh, he was very complimentary of his difference makers when the Jets were rolling. And he absolutely, you know, brought it after the game, right? So yeah, um, in saying that his difference makers were basically nowhere to be found is what he said. So it's interesting. I mean... We talk about this all the time. There are going to be downward periods. I've talked to a bunch of people up in the press box, uh, smart hockey guys. Every team goes through uh, rough patches. Uh, this is the roughest patch the Jets have gone through this year. There's no doubt about that. You can't argue with it. It's a fact. Right now, the Jets, you know, I'm not saying they're playing terrible hockey, but they're playing the toughest stretch of the year. They're not committed or as committed as they have been. And they need to figure that out quickly because what's clear is that when they don't play that particular style that is winning hockey, they have trouble winning hockey games. And right now their offense has gone dry. Their offensive well has gone dry. 
Um, that's now, what did we say, six of eight now, where the Jets have scored two or fewer. Now they scored plenty in the two games that they won, but they did not score enough. Uh, I know it's only the second time they've been shut out, but it gets tougher to score down the stretch. I mean, they got 31 games left. They know that they need to be better against the St. Louis Blues. Um, there are no must-win games in January, but for the St. Louis Blues, they battled back today after falling behind three nothing. They still lost three to two to the uh, to the Colorado Avalanche. They know they're in the situation where if you're if you're a player in the St. Louis Blues locker room, not to change the subject, you know you're playing for a ju- like if the Blues don't start winning games, the UFAs are gone. Right. This is this is a reality yeah. for the for the St. Louis Blues. So there is a different level of urgency that those players have been showing. For the Jets, their situation is not as dire. But you talked about it, Sean. You know, the Avalanche are six points back of the Jets with three in hand, and the Wild, who are in a two-two tie right now with the Buffalo Sabers, the Minnesota Wild have fifty-six points. That's seven behind the Jets. They also have three games in hand. So this is getting back to the last stretch in December when the Jets lost three in a row for the first time and we started to talk about the buffer not being quite as as, uh, as wide as it had been previously. So that also will tell you a lot about the complexion of a hockey team like the Winnipeg Jets. Um, as I t- toss it back to you, what did you think of Rick's answer when you talked about that with him? Sorry, uh, my internet cut out when I talked about what with him? Sorry, when you asked Rick directly, you said when you have a team that comes out missing the playoffs. I mean, how... Okay, so this one's interesting, right? Yeah, let's oh, dive so, into that before we so go this is, later. This is something that I've been thinking about more and more often with this team, and what had me thinking about that is what's happening to the Vegas Golden Knights right now, because the Vegas Golden Knights came out and looked like the one team that was maybe had a chance of keeping step with the Boston Bruins. Now the Vegas Golden Knights can't win a game. And what it reminds me of is that Vegas Golden Knights team from last year that came in a couple times late in the season and played the Jets and was just absolutely atrocious. Um, And it gets you thinking, how can a team go from being what the Vegas Golden Knights were at the beginning of the year. And they were no mirage, Ken, right? We saw them play the Winnipeg Jets. We saw the pace that they played at. We saw the style of game that they played at. It was starting to be reminiscent of what had made them so good, you know, really good at sticks, breaking up passes, shutting down shooting lanes, right? Just that suffocating but speedy lightning style. And to see them, and I've tuned into a couple of their games recently to try and figure out what's going wrong. Like, they look god-awful. And it makes me wonder... When a team has what happened to them last year and then comes into this year, everything's great when things are going great. We know that with the Winnipeg Jets. Things started right out of the gate. They were great right out of the gate. And then you get hit a little bit of adversity. And and it made me think from watching what was happening with the Vegas Golden Knights, well, what if there's that, you know, like little seed planted in the back of your head that, you know, we, we failed last year. And I know what it's like to be a failure. And I know what it's like to kind of get lost in that failure and not know how to figure it out. And my my guess from watching the Vegas Golden Knights, because they look nothing like the team I saw play the Jets three times earlier on this year, is that maybe there's a little bit of that self-doubt that's creeped in. Maybe they've somewhat allowed themselves to be defined by their failure last season, even with so much success in the seasons before that. And I turn that same mindset to the Winnipeg Jets 
And when you see what happened here tonight, here's the thing that is most concerning. I know a lot of people, you know, there's going to be some people and the people who are really like Go Jets going, hate Ken, hate when we talk negatively about the Winnipeg Jets, are going to look at this and they're going to say, look where we are in the standings. What are you complaining about, right? Well, they've lost five of seven games, but here's the thing. The same as I talk about the Vegas Golden Knights, and I don't recognize that team compared to the one that I saw play earlier this year. I don't recognize this Winnipeg Jets team if I compare them to what we saw from the Rick Bonus Blueprint team from earlier this year. But Ken, I do recognize this yeah. Jets I recognize this very much so as the Jets team that we saw last year or the Jets team that in 2019, uh, the calendar turned to 2019, the end of 2018, they were one of the best teams in the league. And then all of a sudden they fell apart and allowed a, a St. Louis Blues team that was almost 20 points behind them in the standings come within one game of tying them in the standings before the season ended and then went on to lose to that St. Louis Blues team. Like, that's the concerning thing is what we're seeing from the Jets here is, an, huh, that's a head-scratcher. We've never seen this before. This is the exact reason that Rick Bonus was brought in was to snuff out this kind of hockey. So I asked Rick Bonus about the idea of, he said at the beginning of the season, it's important for this Winnipeg Jets team that's been a good team for a number of years to not fall below the, the playoff line and then jump right back up and get into the playoffs next year because you can start defining yourself as that bad team, as an on-playoff team. So that was, he, he acknowledged psychologically that, had, that what happened to them last year can have an effect and you have to break that effect as quick as possible. Looked like they did at the beginning of the year. But then I asked them about now and where they're at and the idea that maybe what they were last year still lives, still resides in the back of their head and that you have to worry that what's happening right now is that definition of themselves is that team that lost and couldn't figure it out and ended up out of the playoffs last year if that team is returning if you need to guard psychologically against the return of that team rick bonus's answer kind of blew me away he said we've been guarding against that this entire season what this tells me is Rick Bonus walked in here and knew that the issues with this Jets team, and we've talked about this, we've talked about the Paul Maurice era Winnipeg Jets. He, one thing about this team is they can be world beaters and they can look as disinterested as they look tonight. And the one thing we also know about them is that, you know, everyone always says they've got plenty of time to figure it out. I heard that last year. I heard that the year before. I heard that the year before. Everyone's always saying, yeah, they've got lots of time to figure it out. And yes, they do. But you have to start looking at this team and its track record and being saying, but will they figure it out? From what we know of this team, will they figure it out? Now, I'm not saying the Jets are falling out of the playoffs. I quite firmly stand with the idea that I don't think there's a chance that the Jets are going to miss the playoffs. I think you and I, uh, we've talked about that behind the scenes. I think I'm the most adamant person when we have these conversations with a number of people that I don't worry about the Winnipeg Jets falling out of the playoffs. But what I do worry about here is that Rick Bonus is fighting a lion behind the scenes here and has been since day one. And he had that lion in a headlock for a while, but that lion has got loose. And there's a part of the Winnipeg Jets that either goes to sleep or stops believing in itself or just does not find the requisite effort required 
to be a top team in the NHL. And that version of that team has showed up as of late. And it sounds like Rick Bonus from his, his, you know, very harsh comments towards his players is calling people out, trying to turn things around here. But what, what Rick Bonus came here to snuff out that I think a lot of us, including myself, thought that he snuffed out at the beginning of the year, I think at this stage from watching what we've watched is alive and well, Ken. Yeah, I mean, and this is what Rick said. I mean, to finish off the quote, we've got a lot of work ahead of us. Even where we are, there's still a lot of work. It just doesn't mean on the ice. So that leads to, you know, it's a, I talked about this all the time, and this is what I meant in the first 20 games when I was, you know, everyone was going crazy about elite team. I mean, it's a constant process. It's an eight to 10 month process in order to snuff those sort of bad habits out of a team's game. And we're seeing the evidence right now, right in front of us. So it's not a knock. It's just a reality. And and I talk about this about 2018 all the time. When the Jets were working at getting better defensively, Sean, they did something most NHL teams don't do. They spent almost every single morning skate working on their defensive zone commitment. And that's something that's abnormal. Most teams only reserve that for practice. So that told you how much you know, work needed to go into it. So uh, I, I just think it's interesting. I mean, it, you always wonder, you know, everything when it's going well for a team, it's, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's way easier when things are going well because everyone's feeling good about themselves. When you when a team faces adversity, that's when you learn about a team. Um, so for me, I mean that that is that's the next challenge for the Winnipeg Jets, right? I mean, um, I, I like you know Rick Bonus. There was a little bit of tough love here, and what Rick has told us before, he already would have told his team that after the game. He's not just going to hang them out to dry in the post game presser. I mean, he said he's talked about that all the time. So um, you know. He, the other thing, too, that I thought was super important, as the season progresses, it gets harder. Right now, you're seeing what we're seeing. As soon as there is a little adversity, we handle it well early in the year. We're not handling it well, right? And, that, and that's that, that was one of those things where here it was. And then in the next answer, right now we're going through a spell that as soon as adversity kicks in, we're going on our own program, which was the problem all of last year. We thought we had corrected it. Now we have to correct it again, and we will. Sean, you and I know how much Rick Bonus hates talking about last year. He wasn't here. He said he doesn't want to get into it. This is a new year. But when Rick Bonus is talking about last year, that's also not only telling us that he is, no, that's not only an admission. That's clearly using the media to remind his team who knows, you know who hates talking about last year more than Rick Bonus, Sean? The players that are back from last year. They hate any reference to last year. So, but that, again, that, to me, that's Rick Bonus trying to reiterate how important it is to work that part of the game out of their game in order to take the next step forward. I think that the Jets have shown enough of a body of work and established enough of a foundation during the 51 games that I believe they will get it sorted out. That's not to say it's going to be easy. Nothing comes easy in the NHL. If it were easy, every team would be great. So right now, the Jets are one of those teams. They're still one of the best teams in the Western Conference, but they need to start playing like it. 
and they need to get back to the commitment that they were showing earlier on that helped lead to the success that they were able to enjoy. So I think, like I said, I think the players, both Brendan Dillon and Adam Lowry, we know these guys are leaders on this team. They acted like leaders. Same as Josh Morrissey on Friday after practice. Yeah, he was a bit defiant because he thought some of the questioning was negative. Good on him. That's what good leaders do. Do you want Josh to go up and say, oh, yeah, you know what? We're really struggling right now. We're never going to get it figured out. Not a chance that's going to happen. Josh doesn't think that way. No player is going to say, oh, we're down in the dumps. We're not going to figure it out. They know they can figure it out, but they need everybody pulling in the same direction. And that was something that Rick Bonus also said. The say, saying that guys go on their own program, that's a polite way of saying the commitment level is not strong enough right now, and it needs to get back to that in order for them to get back to where they have been previously. Um, let's uh, not dally anymore sure. and get into uh, a couple of uh, talks about our sponsors. Hey, someone said it here earlier on. I love the compliments. I'll never stop loving the compliments. <laughs> Joe from Winnipeg says the lamplighter was Rennie's suit. I'll take it. It's one of those ones that uh, uh, our main man, Frank, from Vittorio Rossi helped make it pop. Uh, if you want a suit that pops, if you want a look that pops, you got to go down to Cordon Avenue. Go see Frankie at the boys of Vittorio Rossi. Tell him Kenny and Rennie sent you. Kenny, you're looking mighty dapper tonight, too. I'll say this. Frank and the boys, they never take a day off at Vittorio Rossi. So uh, there's no off days. There's no half efforts. You go in there, you're going to walk out looking like a million bucks. Uh, good on them. I love, too, how they brought the lamplighter into that situation as well, fusing two of our sponsors into one comment there. Love that. Uh, Kenny, what's your lamplighter on the night? Yeah, for me, it's the Owen Tippett goal, uh, you know, Obviously, it's a it's a shot on a breakaway, but to me, it's how the play developed. Really nice play by Rasmus Ristolainen. Tippett gets behind. Josh Morrissey nearly intercepts it. Um, Tippett gets behind Neil Pionk, goes in on a breakaway, and beats Connor Hellebuck on the glove side with a pretty much a perfect shot. Um, I thought that was a really nice play overall and in a game where the Jets had zero goals. Uh, the Tippett goal for me was an, an impressive one. Obviously, a nice pass by Scott Lawton on the two-on-one uh, with Tony D'Angelo for the fourth goal that chased Hellebuck. But to me, uh, I thought that the Tippett, uh, because of how they were able to get the stretch pass, get behind the Jets' defense, and score to make it 3 nothing. to me, that was kind of the backbreaker game or goal of the game. Yep. That's why it was my lamplighter. Because even at 2 nothing, Sean, if they get one on Carter Hart, that game kind of had the feel where the Jets could, much like Philadelphia turned the tables when it was 3 nothing Jets in the previous matchup, Sean, mm-hmm. when they got it back to 3-all, three, three three to me this game had a similar feel. If the Jets get one at 2 nothing down, they probably find a way to win that game. But uh, instead, that goal by Tippett was kind of the uh, knockout punch, if you will. And it's part of the reason why I made it the Lamplighter brought to you by the good folks from TransCanada Brewing Company. I think I can agree with you on that. The one thing I would say is that, to me, the both the last two goals are examples mm-hmm. of, if we go back to uh, that Detroit game, uh, I don't know why I always keep coming back to this game, but I know a lot of people liked that game and thought the Jets you know, were the better team in that game. That's the game, though, that they went down 3 nothing, And, yeah, they kept pushing and scoring to come back, but they end up giving seven goals. And the reason they do is because they are upping their risk profile so drastically to score their way back into the game that while they create a lot of opportunity, 
when something goes the other way, it goes the other way in a dangerous manner. And I thought that I thought that Owen Typical was a perfect example of that, right? The Jets are pressing. They're trying to make something happen. They let a guy in behind them. You don't see that happen ever with the Jets unless they're in a situation like they're in tonight where they're trying to fight their way back into the game. But I'm okay with it. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll let it stand, Ken, on this one. Uh, <laughs> you don't argue hey. just for the sake of argument? Okay, perfect. Well, I, I usually do, but I'll, I'll – <laughs> hey, like the Jets, I'll take the night off on this one here. Um, hey, if you're interested in getting your own lamplighter amber ale, a frosty, delicious eight-pack of the Nectar of the Gods, all you have to do is tell us what your lamplighter of the game was. I know if it's tough on a night like this, and I know people don't like putting goals up for the other team, but share with us your lamplighter, however creative you want to be, and you will automatically be entered to win a frosty, delicious eight-pack of lamplighter amber ale from our good friends at TransCanada Brewing Company. If you can't wait for Kenny and Rennie to hand you out your eight-pack, head on down to TransCanada Brewing Company. Join them in in their tap room at 11290 Keniston. You will not regret it heading down there. Grab yourself some pizza, grab yourself some beers. It is, it's, it's, it's Rennie's new playground. I absolutely love it down there. Uh, let's get on and move on to the Johnson. I got a good one for this Watch one. Covered yep. play of the game. I think this one may be an obvious one. What do you got? Oh, for me, it's Rick Bonus with the mercy pull of Connor Hellebuck. Yep. That's my. Yep. That's my. <laughs> we've got you covered because Rick Bonus had seen enough. He did not want to see his all-star netminder, uh, you know, in a time where his team had kind of raised the risk profile and lost its structure and kind of lost its way. Uh, he didn't want Hellebuck to be wearing any more of that uh, in a game where his team might have just kind of fallen out of the out of the tilt uh, and gave him a chance, like didn't want to embarrass him is basically what he said this is one of the best goalies in the league he had seen enough that was enough four goals was enough on this night Um, he's going right back with them on Monday he said that when I asked him about it he's our guy he will continue to be their guy those are Rick Bonus's words and Rick Bonus's willingness to uh, go to the go to the hook for the first time this year he hates to do it to his number one guy he always believes that when Hellebuck is in there, his team has a chance to come back in the game. But this mercy pull was my we've got you covered play of the game, sponsored by the good folks, the OGs from the Johnston Group. Kenny, even Rennie in his most contrarian of moods could not have argued with that case. That was ironclad. I I hand it to you. There's nowhere else to go with that award but that. But there you go. Uh, hey, if you listen to the 32 Thoughts a podcast with Connor Hellebuck on there, and he talked about uh, how how Rick Bonus has his goalies back. You can tell there was a ton of respect there, um, and I thought just that we had the the shot up. Uh, by the way, uh, the production crew I thought did a phenomenal job tonight, especially catching that one penalty after the after Blake Wheeler got away with the trip, um, and the player on the bench, I believe it was Farabee, was chirping the ref. We got right down to Farabee chirping the ref, and the ref going by and raising his hand they were all over the camera work tonight and one of the times that they were all over it was when rick bonus looked just calmly over at connor hellebuck didn't give any kind of apologetic look didn't give anything he turned looked over him did one of these and then he was coming on his way i just thought that that was i'm sure connor hellebuck wasn't happy about it and i think you know maybe all goalies are a little bit upset with their coach when that happened but to me the way that went as seamlessly as it did in that situation is just an example of of rick bonus showing 
he's the authority, but not doing it in a way where he's trying to impose his authority. He's earned the right to handle that uh, that uh, goalie pull in that situation. Uh, great stuff there. Uh, and again, awesome pull for the Johnston Group. Uh, got you covered. Play of the game. The Kenny and Rennie OGs. You won't find two businesses with the same challenges. But you will find 30,000 businesses with Chambers Plan employee benefits proudly administered by our great friends at the Johnson Group. Chambers Plan is Canada's number one plan for employee benefits because it evolves with the way you work and live. The plan is run as a not-for-profit designed specifically to support small businesses. And its unique pooling strategy keeps rates stable so you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers Plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues. And Teladoc telemedicine services are included with every health option. See how Chambers Plan can benefit your business by visiting chamberplan.ca. And I'll say this, Ken, about the idea, the importance of the got you covered play of the game here when it comes to Rick Bonus doing that. I do think him handling that situation has the, the potential for there to be positives to go forward. And you want positives with Connor Hellebuck. One of the reasons why, I can't believe I'm saying this, that it blows me away, but we got to get into the topic of Connor Hellebuck, who I think looked phenomenal in that last game against the Buffalo Sabres. And yet, somehow, Ken, Connor Hellebuck has won one of his last six games. What is happening? Yeah, what's happening is there's no run support, Sean. To me, that's the biggest thing that's been happening with Hellebuck. Uh, I don't see a lot of concern when it comes to his game. Um, what I do see is a team that isn't really giving him a... To me, it almost feels like Connor Hellebuck is going into games where he feels he has to be perfect. And he would never say that, and I wouldn't expect him to. But it feels right now that the Jets, you know, kind of every time they make a mistake, it leads to kind of an egregious play and you know something happens, and all of a sudden there's a puck in the net. And right now, with the Jets struggling to score, it fe- Connor Hellebuck almost goes into the game. And I'm not saying this is his mentality because we know that it isn't. But what it feels like in watching the games is if the opponent scores one. Right now, it's hard for the Jets to get get going offensively. Um, so for me, I'm not concerned at all about Hellebuck. Uh, what I will say is, I mean, I thought it was interesting. So for me, the, the I knew it was a mercy pull. But I was, I was of two views when the play was happening in real time. I wondered if Rick Bonus was thinking, Sean, that if David Riddick was maybe going to play Monday, he wanted to get him close to a half a period in order to help him be ready to play. But what we always see is that when, you know, when Rick Bonus goes to the hook, or sorry, and previously when Connor Hellbuck was pulled, he was given a chance to go right back into the net knowing that his response has often been absolutely uh, fantastic. So uh, we know Hellebuck hates to lose. He hates to get pulled. So I would imagine he's going to be very sharp. Uh, That will be his, let's see, it's going to be his 40th start, Sean, on Monday in 52 games. I don't see this as a fatigue issue. I don't think Hellebuck looks tired. Obviously, he's going to benefit from the break that's upcoming. But to me, David Riddick starts the first game out of the break. That 9 o'clock start, the Hockey Night in Canada game against the Chicago Blackhawks on February 11th, I know some people might think, well, the Hellbuck will have time after the All-Star break during the bye week. That's true. But I think that with the 9 o'clock home game start, I think it's, you know, Riddick is a guy. And here's my other reasoning. The Jets also have a back-to-back coming up on that road trip that is coming up shortly after they come back, right? So to me, you get Riddick the start on the Saturday night game, 
and then he's going to play one of the games in the back-to-back uh, on that trip in, to uh, New York and New Jersey there. So uh, I'm not sure if you agree or not. And again, it's also entirely possible Hellbuck plays that first game back. But what we've seen in the past is that it's not uncommon um, for the backup to start the first game coming out of the break, especially if the All- or, uh, goalie goes to the All-Star game. But I'll be curious to see. But Because my long-winded way of saying, I think Riddick is going to need 10 out of the last 30 right like out of the last 30 games doesn't he have to play between eight and ten yeah maybe only maybe, eight i was gonna say i was gonna say the number that keeps popping into my head is eight okay uh, no and then that's but, fair if he gets yeah. he needs to get to 20 starts he's at yeah. 12 right now uh, and 13 games played so to me he needs to get to 20 starts uh the jets have got through the ball i think what they're left with what is it three back-to-backs left i think or no I think they've played uh, eight already, so I thought they had 11. So, anyways, it's going to be a busy stretch. We know that the, you know, the last 30 games we played in just over you know around 60 or 60-ish days. So uh, I think he needs at least eight starts in that last 30-game stretch to keep Ellibuck fresh for the playoff and playoff run, and we'll see how that goes overall. I uh, just wanted to say this. Alistair Clark says, Rennie, great interview with the Moose mascot, Mickey Moose. Was the puck taped or glued to the stick? I have to know. It was neither. It was neither. <laughs> he was literally pulling that trick off. Um, and the, the the funniest part about that is as he's pulling it off, because he showed me before we went on that he could do it. As he's pulling it off, I noticed that my face is right in line with the stick as he's doing that. And I'm so kind of like hypnotized by what he's doing that I'm thinking to myself at one point, if he messes up and fires that off his off his uh, stick, I'm going to get that puck square in the face and i'm going to be internet famous after that uh but i had a lot of faith in him it's funny because the guys upstairs said the same thing they thought that it was taped to the stick not true at all he had initially wanted to take the puck and scoop it off the ground and pull that trick off to show that but for time's sake we had one of his handlers hand him the stick with it on there mickey moose is a talented individual uh be proud of him as he heads on down to the all-star game uh and be proud of the fact that he was voted the second most popular mascot in the nhl well i had a gritty which surprised me ken um hey it's been called for uh i wanted to get to this we need a little bit of joy and joy villains ken always says <laughs> phyllis asks did you bring your headband sean let's get the headband song it's been too long since we've heard it and we've only missed it for a couple shows but let's see if we can make people a little bit happier with what's going on right now in Jetsland by bringing out the headband song it's time to make this a sean's headband version of the kenny and rennie show here we go I'll tell you this, interviewing a mascot that can't say a word is a little bit of a tough, uh, tough go. I had to get some advice from my uh, producer, uh, Scott Carruthers, Butter, as we like mm-hmm. to call him, who's a legend in this industry, an A1 guy, love when he comes strolling through town to do games. He'll be doing Monday night with us as well, as will John Bartlett and Gary Galley. Um, 
I I have to say it's a tough one, but my phone lit up after that happened. Like it's funny you think a lot of people think those are tough situations, but it's the kind of stuff people love to see. Scott uh, Butter Carruthers idea, I give him all the credit for it. Um, before we do go on, Ken, I wanted to respond to what you were talking about uh, when it came to Connor Hellebuck. I don't have much sure. to say about Connor Hellebuck for the idea that like none of this is his fault. Like th- what we've seen, I think, from Connor Hellebuck, and I talked about this before you got on the show, I'm coming way more to your side that Connor Hellebuck is his team's MVP uh, because we showed a bunch of numbers tonight that showed how many games the Jets have won that they really haven't been the best team in. It's a ton of them. It's a ton of them, and usually the answer to that is Connor Hellebuck. Where would they be without that guy? I'm starting to be around your way of thinking that they not only would be below the playoff line, but maybe well below the playoff line. So I've got nothing to say what on took his. Took you so play. long. I've got no. <laughs> I've got no concerns. And secondly, are you feeling uh, okay? That. Are you feeling okay? <laughs> well, maybe the headband's <laughs> a little bit tight. I don't know. I feel a little bit different. I wanted to go down this road, though. I actually wanted to have this conversation with you. And Rob Mahoney brings this up. If the team doesn't care that they left Helio oh. in the wind, why would they care that he was pulled? This brings me to the idea of one of the things that I think is unbelievably special about Connor Hellebuck is if you think about this, if you think about the idea that Connor Hellebuck for years has saved the Winnipeg Jets over and over again. And someone said to me, I don't know if it was someone I was chatting with at hockey or something like that, said, doesn't this team feel that it owes it to Connor Hellebuck to go out and like go crazy and steal games to repay him for all that he does? And I guess I would suggest we haven't really seen that very much over the history of the Winnipeg Jets. Connor Hellebuck has had the Jets back far more often than the Jets have had Connor Hellebuck's back. And I just wanted to make this point. I was thinking about this after the 32 Thoughts interview that he had, which was a great interview. You should go check it out if you haven't done so already. But one of the things that we should suggest about Connor Hellebuck that makes him immediately special, a lot of goalies would respond to the idea that his team keeps hanging him out to the to dry with the response that fine if you guys don't care i don't care and then the puck ends up in the back of the net that much more often because the goalie really isn't giving their best ken this to me is the natural thing that happens to a goaltender in this situation and i think it happens with a lot of really great goaltenders and has happened with a lot of really great goaltenders throughout the history of the league I say it is a credit to Connor Hellebuck that he's never let that creep into his game. The fact that he has been there the entire time and never asked in return from the Winnipeg Jets what the Winnipeg Jets have so often gotten from him is a huge credit to him as a goaltender and as a player. Yeah, it is. But Rob Mahoney, man, Adam Lowry, don't say the Jets don't care about hanging him out to dry. Unprompted, Adam Lowry in his post-game address, we kind of leave our goalie out to dry, and that's an unfortunate situation for Helly to have to be pulled. So the players are keenly aware of the nights where they don't play well enough, and we almost always hear about how the players are disappointed in that and how they want to do better. I mean, you can say whatever they want, but I mean, yeah, I mean, the Jets are not a good defensive team yet. I mean, yes, I understand they're a top five, or they have been for most of the year in terms of goals against, but that's because of Hellebuck. Uh, we know that there are still you know, some cracks in the foundation when it comes to their structure, but it's not. Just, I don't think for one second the players don't believe 
they feel badly when they play poorly in front of them. I don't think that for one second. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, when when a team has an elite or world-class goalie, sometimes do you take that for granted, expecting him to make every single save? Sure, but that's not to say they don't care about playing poorly in front of them. I, I don't think that for one second, and I'm not saying that you said that, Sean. Um, no. That was kind of to Rob's point. I, I just don't believe that to be the case. I guess what I would say is over the years, I, I, it's one thing to feel bad about something. It's one thing to take action and respond to feeling bad about it. And I would say that my counter to what you're saying is that I think the Jets very much know that that's happening, but it just makes it, it makes it that much less forgivable for the Jets to have a night like this or a night like they had Thursday where effort is clearly part of the problem. It's that much less forgivable to not have your best or not have the proper effort on a night when you've got a goalie that doesn't take nights off for you. Like, I, I, I don't know when we can po- point to a night where we're like, like, I, I think it happened a little bit last year. I think it started happening a little bit last year that there were some games that actually the Jets could have won, but Connor Hellebuck didn't have his best stuff. But outside of last year and a game here or a game there, it just does not really. Rob Mahoney is maybe talking about. I know, I know that uh, you know, knowing what we know from Adam Lowry, and I thought Adam Lowry went out tonight. And I thought he threw, you know, left a lot out there. I just oh, their line, that line was their best line. I mean, that's what I mean. said it, and we know it. Yeah, so he put it out there. So, so he he can come out and he can say that, and he can say we're bad. We feel bad that we did that, but. I just think that there is not an excuse for this team as often as it has to not come prepared to play or kind of lose its way or maybe get a little bit too in love with the idea of going down the ice and scoring goals and ignoring defense on the other side of it. It's just, to me, it's unforgivable when you've got a goaltender that's done what Connor Hellebuck has done and never over the years of having to do that, having to bail this team out over and over and over again that he's never given up on them, never been like, if you guys don't have my back, I don't have yours. Connor Hellebuck, to me, that that popped into my head. I don't think it's something that we've really talked about, but the mindset of a guy who is not willing to give up on players who on a night like tonight looked like they gave up on him is something special, makes him a special goaltender. Ken, uh, unless you have a retort, I'd like you to give a shout-out to our main man, Sweet Lou. You bet for the folks in the that need some real team needs to be met, uh, contact our main man Lou Ferlin. Uh, whether you're buying your buying, looking to buy a home, looking to sell your home, looking to see what the the home down the street is worth, maybe uh, looking to move to another area of town. Uh, Lou Ferlin's your guy. We have Royal LePage Dynamic Realty. You can reach him at 204-791-9971 or at the office 204-989-5000. His email is lou at louferlin.ca. That's L-O-U at L-O-U-F-U-R-L-A-N.ca. And the website for Lou Ferlin is www.louferlin.ca. Lou Ferlin, excellent realtor, excellent human, excellent supporter of the community, and excellent supporter of the Kenny and Rennie show, of which we are very grateful for. Lou Ferlin would fall in the Connor Hellebuck uh, category of never taking nights off. Uh, sweet Lou keeps going and going and going. Uh, did you say he's out of the hospital, Ken? believe so, yes. Yes, great news. Great news to hear from our main man, Sweet Lou. Um, I'm uh, a quick one here. Uh, Wild won in a shootout, so they are now... Five so points, five back points, with three games in hand, with three in hand. Yes, yeah, so things well, there in you the go. Central Division tightening up. 
So as of right now, uh, when it comes to the teams trailing the Jets in the Central Division, both of them are within their games in hand of catching the Winnipeg Jets. The, in the case of those teams, and look, there's lots of hockey to play, but the old saying is their fate is in their hands uh, when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, and the Winnipeg Jets are full three points now. But say this we've been like if the jets took the night off our chat room didn't this is i gotta say this the best race for the home field dig deeper award i have ever seen on this show ken people are rocking it i may have to take a little bit of time for you to hit the buffet one last time before Indeed. the end of the show so i can go through these because i've been starring comments there's a great Great, great comments here uh, coming from here. One quick one, sorry, before we... you dive here. MBHA Ball Hockey, we always say check the receipts. MBHA Ball Hockey says we, as in the Jets, are the Canada's fourth best team. If you want to get technical, that's not accurate. The Jets have a 618 winning percentage. The only Canadian team that's better than the Jets, the they Toronto are the Toronto Maple, Maple Leafs. Leafs, not the Calgary Flames, not the Edmonton Oilers. The Jets are still the second best team in Canada. So, Come on now, an MBHA. I know you got a lot of great takes. We've seen plenty of them. That's not yeah. one of them. <laughs> okay. Um, I just wanted to touch on this. Uh, the how can the ref miss that call on the Wheeler call? That was an egregiously missed call. I want to bring this back. Sorry, to the hang on a second. I don't know if you saw it. Like the back referee gave the dive signal. He yeah. was watching it. So I don't like to say that he didn't call it. That's fine. But he didn't miss it. Because sure. in his view, he thought it wasn't tripping. He thought the player dove. So I just wanted to just in, insert well, yeah. myself into that. I still yeah. think it was a missed call. I'm with Remains you. Remains a bad call. Remains a bad call. But I wanted to bring this back to the Mark Shifley situation where the refs missed the call and then he shoots the puck and almost hits the ref and gets the penalty. This happens to other teams, right? Like the, the, the egregiousness of Mark Shifley in that situation. I remember I had someone who was messaging me and was just hot about this, Ken. Hot. I actually, I think it was Owen is Owen who won the Lamplighter right. not too long ago. Speaking of, I got to get out of here. I got to, I, I got to uh, say who won the Lamplighter. But he was hot about it that the refs should have admitted that they messed up the call against Mark Shifley and should not have, and, and should have been men enough not to call the next sh uh, penalty to let Mark Shifley get away with that and was adamant about it, was all over me over that. This is the exact same situation. The Philadelphia Flyers got jobbed in that moment and walked out of that situation with a penalty. Why? Because a ref missing a penalty does not allow you to go and take another penalty afterwards. This is how it goes. So this is just one of these situations here where at a one time where you know th this chat room was evidenced and in sense that the Winnipeg Jets are not treated fairly. This played out exactly like that played out in that other situation. The Winnipeg Jets benefited from it with a penalty. They didn't do anything with it. But this, to me, I draw perfect 100% parallels to the two. Missed call. Uh, the, the the team that 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 does not get the benefit of the call allows their frustration to take over and they end up in the back of the box this goes both ways people uh it's not a conspiracy theory uh, if you want to go down that road you can but this is exact same parallel as that other situation yeah, and for the record folks just be be sure it, this was not john tortorella's bench minor it was a player yelling john tortorella well, was as as calm as it could be and good on yeah. good on tortorella for sending the culprit into the box to serve the penalty 
Yeah. Um, okay. I just wanted to bring in our next uh, um, uh, our next topic of conversation with the most heated of takes that you could find to introduce that conversation. <laughs> LB says, "Can we put Wheeler on waivers now?" Let's be clear. Blake Wheeler unequivocally had a bad game tonight. Found his way on the fourth line. Um, this I find interesting, Ken. Uh, we could possibly look at this and say Blake Wheeler has already been through a situation where he's had to take some medicine, had the C stripped away from him, responded really well, has not been playing his best hockey as of late, was not playing a good game tonight, found his way on the fourth line. Um, I want your take on how he ended up there, the move to put him there, and what you think happens with that move going forward. Are there ramifications to this? Sean, to me, I mean, I, I don't. I think it's fourth line in in number only or interpretation, and, and by, my, by no means am I saying uh, Blake was having a strong game. He wasn't, uh, but it's hard to decipher which line was the fourth because there were so many passengers in the game. I don't think we can say necessarily with any certainty that I mean his ice time was reduced certainly, but I think that's more to protect Blake Wheeler and to help him try to find a little bit more energy. I no. Blake Wheeler is not going to be put on waivers, at, and there's 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 no chance of that happening. Um, even though his previously he had a full no movement clause, now it's modified. Regardless, the Jets are not putting Blake Wheeler on waivers, nor should they. He's had a strong season for the most part. Uh, body of work has been very good. Yes, I, we've said it a few times now. It, it just hasn't looked like he's had his legs of late. Uh, he had a tough go today, but he had plenty of company. So. Um, in terms of long-term ramifications, no, I don't see that. Like For the Jets to find their way out of this, they need Blake Wheeler to be a contributor, and he's been a contributor for the bulk of the season. So uh, I don't see that as being uh, an issue whatsoever. And like I said, I mean, there are a lot more people with younger legs than Blake's uh, that were also on the uh, non-factor list in this evening. Bigger issue, Sean, and we've been talking about this for weeks now, we're no clearer when it comes to what the optimal top six looks like. Uh, right now, there's not a lot of chemistry happening uh, with any of or with either of the two lines. Um, Shifley and Ehlers have not been clicking, and you and I have talked about this before. Um, Mark Shifley prefer he likes playing with Ehlers. There's no doubt, and there have been times where he's been fantastic with them uh, as a pairing. Um, but the other thing that we know is that Mark Shifley likes predictability. And Nikolai Ehlers is more of an East-West player. So that isn't necessarily a long-term match or either. So uh, I think it's sort of reinforced my point that I think the Jets need a, you know, what do you, whatever you want to call it, a top six or a middle six player to add to the mix to help stretch out their depth. Um, Perfetti had a, a stretch where he was pretty good today. But, I mean, the Jets' best line in terms of scoring chances, uh, Lowry with a really good tip off the off the post, uh, Carson Kuhlman had that backhand rebound, one off the mask, then one backhand um, off the crossbar. Frosty Winnipeg says he'd like to see Barron there. I think Barron was given a quick chance in the top six, so that's uh, not to say they can't try that again. They might, uh, but to me, this is very clear. I mean, Morgan Barron is best suited to play on a checking line role with Adam Lowry. That's where he's played his best hockey, and I expect him to continue to play there uh, as they move along. And like I said, that's not to say he can't uh, jump into the top six at times and give it a test drive, but uh, I, I don't see that being a long-term fix for them, at least not at this stage uh, of the game. And 
Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to continue on there. Was that an and at the end? And then well, I was going to respond nothing. to MBHA hockey, which is okay. Yeah. That's not what you said. He's saying here, Flames and Oilers will surpass Jets. Well, that might happen. You're right. But you said right now, technically, the Jets are the fourth best team in Canada. That's not accurate as of today. So, well, I, I okay, I, I get. If you wanted I to say that, that's I, what's I, I going what to be happening at this moment, right now, the the Winnipeg Jets okay. are not playing like the second best team in Canada. Oh, and that's accurate. The, the Edmonton Oilers are the hottest team in the Western Conference right now. Sure, uh, based on their last ten games. Uh, so, I guess if they're fourth best, you want to put them ahead of them. I, I mean, I, I can see that. I can see his argument. You you are right, Canada. And I mean, flip side too. Calgary the, lost seven games in a row this year. Sean, sorry to interject. I mean, so the Jets' and longest losing streak. Just the other night, by, right? Their the longest luck. losing streak yeah. is three games. So what I'm trying to say is have some perspective. So yes, right now the Flames are behind the Jets. Could they pass them? Of course they could. But they also had a seven game losing streak. So until the Jets are passed or have a seven game losing streak, I don't think it's fair to assume that they're going to be the fourth best Canadian team, even though they, of course, they might be. Okay, um, I wanted to just get my uh, two cents in on Wheeler. I got to say this that penalty that was not called um that happens so often when wheeler doesn't seem to be skating right like it it, it seems fairly obvious to me every time wheeler takes one of those penalties it's just a sign that it's one of these games where he just doesn't have his legs uh that was um again to me that's an egregious call i don't know how the refs missed that uh but whatever the refs miss it that's fine and how it played out is how it should play out you don't get to tee off on the refs afterwards after they miss a call and they're going to get you every time to make sure that you don't continue teeing off on them in the future if you miss a call because everyone thinks the refs missed a call um I'll just say this. Uh, Rick Bonus didn't uh, did a good job tonight in the post presser by not pointing out Blake Wheeler and saying like, yeah, Blake Wheeler ended up on that line because he didn't have a good game, but he didn't let him off the hook either. He said Blake wasn't the only one to have a bad game. But to me, this is a clear and obvious move. Uh, and it's a move that never would have been made under the Paul Maurice regime. Um, I'm interested to see how it goes forward. I'm interested to see what kind of response. Like maybe that's maybe that's the next step. Maybe what he's saying is, look, I tried to I tried to be nice about this. I tried to put it in your hands, the Jets as a team, and say, listen, what do you think the problem is? You tell me what the problem is. Oh, you don't think you're skating hard enough? Okay, here's your opportunity to start skating hard enough and get going again, get your pace up. And then when it doesn't happen, I think tonight was just his way of being like, okay, I gave you your opportunity. It's, it's over. Mr. Nice Guy is over. I'm calling things out. This is what's happening. It's time for tough love. It's the only thing that's left. I'm interested to see how a guy like Blake Wheeler responds to tough love because Blake Wheeler is a guy that we know has had a chip on his shoulder and it has never left his entire career. Success didn't erode that chip on his shoulder. There's nothing that has brought that down. Blake Wheeler, I think, always seems to respond at his best when he feels slighted and being taken you know, a guy who someone talked about who's probably right, he's going to end up with a thousand points in this organization and have his name and his number up in these rafters here. Blake Wheeler is a guy who does not respond well 
to being called out or shown out to me. I don't think there's any other way to take this, that that Blake Wheeler was called out. And I think it was deserved in this game. And I do think if we're looking for positives in this game, one of the positives you can take away is they have a coach that will call out players when they need to be called out, no matter the status of that player, their standing or how many points they have, or whether or not they have an A or a C or anything on their jersey. I thought Rick Bonus once again showed tonight that he's going to call things how he feels they need to be called and the players are going to need to deal with it i'm interested to see if that ends up being a spark that gets them something because boy oh boy do they need a good feeling in their room when it comes to their next game uh and before one quick I'm, thing on that yeah. um it's not joe from winnipeg's you know again lots of great takes but this isn't one of them he's saying bones will not hold his players accountable he's already doing that today pierre luc dubois played 14 12 the other day he played more than Mark Shifley. So even if we choose to ignore it, it doesn't mean accountability is not happening. Accountability happened with Blake Wheeler. It happened tonight with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Those aren't the only players that struggled, but those guys saw their ice time reduced. And another classic example happened after a TV timeout. Uh, when Kuhlman had his great chance, they had a TV timeout. It was an offensive zone faceoff, Sean. And you know what happens when offensive zone faceoffs ha- occur after a TV timeout? Either Dubois or Shifley go on the ice normally. You know who went on the ice? Adam Lowry's line because they had been their best line and they just had two scoring chances on the previous shift. And after that shift, Nate Schmidt took a slapper that was tipped by Adam Lowry and went off the crossbar. So even though if you may not see it, that's accountability. And sorry, I have one small nitpick, and I know it's very yep. small. Uh, you use the word never. There was a period in Nashville where Wheeler and Shifley and Kyle Connor sat for an entire period uh, in a game where they were vastly outplayed. So I, I know, I know you meant they weren't usually moved to the fourth line though. What's worth playing on the fourth line for a few shifts or not playing at all? I would argue not playing at all. Yeah, I would argue it's the fourth line. I would argue that uh, you know. Sorry, am I breaking up right now? A little bit, you're back. I would, I would argue it's the fourth line because I think the fourth line is a way of saying this is where your game is at right now. I know sometimes uh, when you get benched, to me, that's saying, that's saying, listen, I've had it with you guys. You're just sit- sitting beside the bench. I'm done with you on this night. I don't even want to look at you. I think it's a lot different to say, listen, this is where I see you right now in the hierarchy. You belong in this spot right here, the way that you are playing, this is where that fits on this team. I think it's a far more harsh message, like far more harsh. I actually don't think it's close. I think I would prefer to be benched than I would be to be, you know, a star player moved to the fourth line. Um, See, I disagree. As someone who played lots of fourth line and didn't get a lot of shifts in college hockey, I preferred my three shifts a period to not getting any at all. No, no doubt, but that, that's the mindset of a fourth liner, right? The Fair. mindset of a star is that I don't belong here and how dare you suggest But it's worse to not get on the ice at all. It's worse. Yeah, I, I, I think Because you still message... think you can impact the game as, a, as okay. that player. Sure. I, I, I've got all day for that. I think, though, that the message sent is a far harsher message to move someone to the fourth line than it is to bench guys for a game. But he moved especially, every line. So especially, to me, when I, you bench, especially when you bench three guys side by side who are clearly the three or t- three of the best players on the team. Ken, I'm sorry. I got to cut you off there. Uh, you're just going to have to accept the fact I was right <laughs> on this one. Um, we went a whole hour without talking about Neil Pionk's 
tough game. That's that's uh, a success, that's a success. Well, people will think that we don't want to we don't want to pile theory. on. We don't want to pile. People on will it. think that's a conspiracy theory. Uh, for those of you out there who say think that we're not seeing it or we're not talking about it, I guess you're right. We did. No, talk no, it's not true. It. I talked about we it on the on the lamp later. You just talked about it exactly, uh, and we see it. We see exactly what you're talking about. Lamplighter, winner from the last show, is Terry Trey. Terry, you know what to do. Direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. Send me your full name, which I'm assuming is Terry Trey, and an email, and I will send you a voucher for your frosty, delicious eight-pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale from our friends at TransCanada Brewing Company. Time to go into the home field. I'm going to do something I do, don't do very often. I wanted to bring in a couple of comments uh, before I bring in the winner because i think that there were just so many good ones today this is just a tiny cross section of a really really great show but tracy uh says they've kind of lost their net front presence and that's when the offense dried up this is important uh rick bonus told me before the game that a sign of the the, what's gone wrong with their offense they're not getting enough shots from the point and getting that chaos in front tonight was a perfect example that they went to getting the shots from the point again, but that chaos didn't exist. If you want to know why the Jets' defense have been so good at scoring from the point this year, it's the forwards and the chaos that they've created and the opportunities that they've created from that. This was very insightful by Tracy O'Kranick. Yuri G says, Sean, this isn't a team mindset. It's individuals' mindset that for some top players hasn't changed. Yuri G may be entirely right, and if he is right, it's a suggestion that the core of this team is unfixable or at at least hasn't been fixed up to this point. This is a problem that's existed. It would fit with the idea of the problems that have existed with this team for a number of years. I've got all day for this comment. Our home field dig deeper comment of the game is from Alec Beatty, who is responding to T. Will, who says, when things are going well, this team's mindset is that they're good enough that they don't have to work. I personally think that this has been the Jets' problem for a number of years, and I've talked about this when I talk about the snake charmer offense and how the Jets fall in love with their ability to kind of razzle-dazzle and do this kind of thing. It pulls them away from the type of game they need to play. I don't think it's a coincidence, Ken, that you and I have been talking about the Jets' snake charmer offense about 10 games ago leading up to this now, and I noticed that people in the chat room have started to pick up on it and talk about the snake charmer offense and examples of the snake charmer offense. To me, when I see that offense, the thing that I don't like about it is, yeah, it looks pretty, and yeah, it leads to goals for a while, but I think it more likely leads to the Jets not having a commitment to the kind of goals that they score to get into the playoffs and the kind of defense that they need to play to be a successful team. Alec Beattie nails this in my mind. Once again, the comment responding to T. Well, he says, when things are going well, this team's mindset is that they're good enough that they don't have to work. I think the Jets coach right now would tell you exactly that the Jets have not been working. And I think that Alec Beattie's on to something saying that when they get going, when they get rolling offensively like they were for a while there, and when things start to come easy and the snake charmer offense comes out, that is a precursor to what we're seeing right now in the Jets not giving the effort required for them to play the blue blueprint and thus the right game and thus be a successful team. Because of that, Alec Beattie, you are our home field dig deeper winner on this show. Because of that, you win a home field 
dig deeper Kenny and Rennie trunk shovel. You want to claim that? Send me a message at SN Sean Reynolds. I need your full name and I need your email and I will send you a voucher for that shovel that you can pick up at TransCanada Brewing Company where you can stop and grab some Lamplighter Amber Ale, some of my favorite, their blueberry beer, or you can try some of their pizza. Great stuff. Congratulations to you and, and uh, thank you so much for taking part. Ken, you rocked it tonight. Uh, chat room, this was one of the best performances I have ever seen out of the chat room never mind it's nice to see over 200 people in the chat room on a losing night i once again don't feel be afraid about it call out your friends and family who do not show up to the losing efforts by the winnipeg jets it's just as important to talk about what happens in a loss as what happens in the win tell them to buck up and get to the kenny and rennie show regardless of what happens thank you for that and i'll end this show the way i end all our shows by saying if you appreciate the conversations that happen in these spaces, spaces like what we do on KNR or on the Illegal Curve show, which I think you were a guest on this morning, Ken, and on Winnipeg Sports Talk, if you appreciate these conversations, please, please support the people who fight to keep these conversations going in these spaces for us. That's Vittorio Rossi, the TransCanada Brewing Company, Lou Ferlin, the Johnston Group, the Kenny and Rennie OGs, and Homefield. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you to our sponsors. We will see you Monday, the Jets' last game before the break. It's another hockey, not a Hockey Night in Canada game, but it's another national sports net game. So you will see me on there. You'll see Gary Galley. You will see John Bartlett. Thank you so much. Hope you tune in on Monday and hope you tune in uh, after the game for KNR. Bye-bye.